Bobby. There you go. All right. Thank you, guys. You can come this way. Go with Miss Naomi. Go that way. There you go. All right. Thank you. Thank you, guys, for your prayer and all that. I want you to know as well that we... Um, we were out in, uh, at district conference ourselves, uh, different than the camp, obviously. Kim and I were out, and uh, six of our members of the church as delegates to go for the voting and the different things happening in the conference, and we were blessed to uh, have a lot of things happening and transpiring there. One of them was Dr. Jim Dunn. Uh, he's a friend of mine, you know, and he's an awesome man of God, and he is the president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University. And I share that with you because... Um, it's one of, I think we have five universities at a seminary, but I'm not going to tell you the other names because I just want you to hear Oklahoma Wesleyan University, okay? Uh, and the reason for that is, is because it has a godly leader, a man of God, who is calling people to serve Jesus Christ and faithfully equipping his own staff and the people that they are hiring, their coaches, and all that are involved in everything that's happening in the university is centered on Jesus Christ. And it's incredibly awesome that that is happening today. And what is going on there is awesome. They had to get rid of two of their coaches because they were not representing Jesus there. And they were pretty popular, but he didn't care. He was just like, you're done here and step aside. So we have to make sure that we understand what God is doing. And it's all about Jesus Christ. And so if you have a student that is college age, just want you encouraged to pray and look at Oklahoma Wesleyan University. There are scholarships for people that are members of the Wesleyan Church and uh, pastoral families. And if you, the student would go and even take uh, like religion as a minor, scholarships available, just a lot of help to make that happen. And uh, probably next spring, we're gonna have uh, Dr. Jim Dunn come down and be here in Tucson to meet with families uh, about that. But I wanna just encourage you and say this to you because what he shared with us as a district was the fact that in this secular world in which we live today in these United States. Um, you know, I don't know how all that st stuff happens or how they designate things, but this upcoming freshman class going into the universities is our first post-Christian generation entering college in our history. And um, again, I don't know how they figure that out because I think we've been post-Christian for a while, but that's just their stats of whatever they're looking at. I don't know. But all I know is that in the midst of this confusion and craziness that's happening in our nation, that there is hope in Jesus Christ. And the fact that this generation uh, knows nothing about the reality of living in a country that acknowledges God, that there is an incredible opportunity for God to move because they've seen all this other stuff and all these other lies and things come to the surface and lies are found out and therefore they're left searching, and therefore I believe that that generation that is coming up, that the freshman class coming into the universities and all that, we have an incredible opportunity for God to move in and through them and what God wants to do and the possibility of a national revival, I believe exists in that generation. I do. Now they're talked bad about, like every generation after is always talked bad about. But you know, even in the church, there's a lot of people talk bad about him. God loves them. He has a plan for them. And I'm just asking him to move. Father, we love you. We're so humbled that we can serve you freely here. As messed up as everything is, we still have the ability to gather in the name of Jesus Christ, worship you, sing to you, praise you, proclaim your name, look at the word of God, have the word of God, be able to just share that with other people. God, we are so incredibly blessed. Thank you. Lord, help us to take advantage of it today like never before. Sharing your love and watching you work. Lord, we give ourselves to you right now that you would speak in every way in the message that you have prepared for us today in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we've been talking and looking at the faithfulness of God. Several weeks now, I believe that God is, well, I already know, God's stirring in my heart this encouragement to see that we are not without hope. We're not. Now, I'm not talking about us personally, I'm talking about us nationally. I mean that. I mean, 
let's just see what God's saying because as we've been looking at things and we looked at God's word, we looked at the history, we looked at the word of God and we saw what God was doing, has done, can do, then church, our faith should be encouraged about what the possibilities are with the God that we serve, right? So I believe that the message is even though there are things in there that are challenging and hard for us to maybe hear, it's also a message of challenge and encouragement to build up our faith and to believe in this God that we talk about, that he is who he says he is. And so as we look in the word of God, God is bringing us opportunities and he is presenting these opportunities for his people to repent and live in obedience to him or the alternative, he'll bring judgment. What do you say about obedience, huh? (laughs) You guys awake out there? (laughs) all right (laughs) so he's calling us to repent and live because judgment will come if we don't his word declares it over and over again we looked in history we were talking about last week when israel fell to assyria in 722 bc it was because they would not live for god they knew who he was they knew what he'd done but they would not serve him from the leadership on down And so God removed them from his presence, just like he said he would in 722 BC. Israel was wiped out by the Assyrians. So we look at that awesome word of God where Hezekiah came to the throne in in Judah and that he followed God as a 25-year-old young man and had and led a national revival for the land of Judah, right? We looked at that last week. We saw how God defeated the Assyrians before them without them even lifting a sword God is amazing. He does that. But did you know, as you follow along in that story, that King Hezekiah had a son who would follow him on the throne? And when we read the scriptures about Hezekiah, it said there was no one like him before or after who followed the Lord with all of his heart like his father David had done. You know, we read those verses. But when you look at his son Manasseh, followed underneath him, the most wicked king Judah ever had is the testimony about him. Being raised by a godly father, watching a national revival take place, he came into leadership and led Judah into more and deeper sin than they had ever been in in their history. Led them deeper and darker than Israel was. The most wicked king they ever had. And of course, God doesn't stand by and say, well, they were good for a while. No. God comes because God is faithful to his word. And so in 605 BC, God allows Babylon to come and lay a siege against Judah and Jerusalem, takes captives. That's where you see Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and all those guys being taken into Babylon. The city is left, but it's now under Babylonian rule. The people think they're still good because they got God in their pocket even though they don't. They think, well, they've been taken, but we're still here, so we are invincible. And so in 597, 96 BC, Babylon comes back and completely and utterly destroys Jerusalem and the temple of God itself. Something they never believed could happen because God's good to his word. He warned them that he would do it. So why do we look at all this? Well, I want you to see this church that God's a merciful God God's a loving God. God desires repentance. God desires restoration. God loves healing. He loves wholeness. But he's also a God of judgment and righteousness. And our obedience is critical to God's movement. So, we have a chance and an opportunity before us. And I think that opportunity is magnificent. And our God is awesome. But church, man, the call today is so harsh and loud and strong in my heart that God is calling his people to obedience. He is calling to us to say, here's your chance. Listen to the word of God as I read to you in Hebrews chapter 2, reading verses 1 through 3. So we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it. Man, I'm saying this to his church as we listen to God's word, the message of Jesus Christ, 
the truth of who God is has been spread around. Our nation has heard the gospel and we have drifted from it. The word of God is challenging us, church. Are you hearing it? He's saying like, we must listen very carefully to the truth we've heard or we may drift away from it. For the message God delivered, I'm reading the scriptures again, through angels has always stood firm. And every violation of the law and every act of disobedience was punished. Time out. Listen. God's like, look, man, here's the truth. Church, you've heard it. You know it. You know what it is. Don't allow yourself to drift. Because all you got to do is look at history, biblical history, current history, whatever you want to look at. And you will see that if you walk away, drift away, wander from God's truth, whack, judgment comes. <laughs> he's telling us, he's warning us, he's shouting to the church. The message of God was delivered through angels and always stood firm and every violation of law and every act of disobedience was punished. So what makes us think we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was first announced by the Lord Jesus himself and then delivered to us by those who heard him speak? How in the world can we think we're gonna escape when we ignore the gospel, the call of God for repentance and for right living? We won't. We've got to take notice, church. We've got to hear it and we've got to respond. Everywhere we look in Scripture, God is calling people to live in obedience to His ways. You know that. We've been talking about obedience forever. We're going to continue to talk about obedience forever because it's what it's all about. God is calling us to a life of obedience. His ways, not my ways. His ways, not our ways. God's ways. And so he's calling us to live accordingly. And if we don't, he says, I'm going to smack you. <laughs> Church, come on. I was telling the other service, I was not physically abused as a child. So I don't want you to walk away and get that idea or anything. And I'm not promoting someone getting physically abused. But my father wore a thin leather belt. And it wasn't always just to keep his pants up. Sometimes it was used on me on my backside because I needed to be obedient and I wasn't. Now I'm telling you that there was a healthy fear of my father in that. And most of the time I made good decisions. And there were other times I didn't. And there were times I needed to get whacked and I didn't get it. Just saying it. I needed more than I got. There's no doubt about that. Okay? You don't have to amen my whoopings, you know. But... Uh, <laughs> But <laughs> I needed more. I'll just say that, all right? Just kidding. So I look at this, and what God's saying is, he's like, my kids need to listen to my word, and they need to live in obedience. And if my kids don't, I'll whack them too. We need it. Today, the church that declares the name of Jesus Christ needs a good whooping. And we're going to get it unless we repent and obey. My mother was a very skinny, weak lady. And uh, she had cancer when I was a kid. And she was, like most of my life, she was sickly and frail. And uh, so even as a kid, she couldn't hurt me. And I don't mean that like arrogantly or anything, you know. She would, she would hit me with her hand and then she'd be like, ah, you know, like, I'd try not to laugh, you know. And then she'd whack me with a spoon or something that would still hurt her hand more than it would me. And I would laugh because I was a little older then, you know. And she would finally end up laughing with me. You know, I got away with a lot of stuff with my mom, you know. But I'm saying like when she would try, I want you to know God's not like sitting there chuckling when he whacks you with a spoon. I want you to know, church, that God right now is calling us to obedience. And if we don't hear him, he's going to come with wrath. I mean, we have to listen. His word declares, if we do what he wants, he will be there and he will meet us. If we do what we want, he will be there to meet us. It's our choice which way we want to meet God. I choose blessing. <laughs> so here's the thing. As I stand before you as your pastor, 
I recognize that what I do, what I say, I need to be very serious and understand that what I'm talking about is from God. That if I declare a message to you, that it needs to be God's message and not Dave's message. Now, that doesn't mean it doesn't use my personality, that I can't speak at times in the message, but it has to be God's message. And if it's not God's message, we're all wasting our time. And as I look into the word of God, I want you to know that I understand the challenge that God has placed in me and to me, and I don't take it lightly. No, I'm not. Yes, I'll just leave it at that. Listen, I want you to hear the scriptures that God has given to all that would speak for him. And there are sections of the Bible because God's word is truth and it speaks to every area of life that are called the pastoral epistles because God was speaking to those who would lead his church. I'm gonna share some scriptures with you that are directed directly at me. And I want you to hear them because they impact all of us. And we need to hear it as a whole so that we stand for the truth of who God is. So as I read these scriptures to you from 2 Timothy chapter 4, I begin with verse 1. I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom, preach the word of God. Church, there's no other thing. It's only the word of God. If we're talking about other junk, it's junk. What we're talking about has to be based in the word of God and we need to hear the word of God and understand what God is saying. All we have to do is look in history and we see that when people didn't do what God said in his word, he brought judgment. Therefore, what the church needs to hear is God's word, not a human's word. Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Whether they want to hear it or not. You got to preach God's word. Whether the time is favorable or not, patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths but you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. Church, as I listen to this and I share it with you, I am very well aware that there are churches and church leaders who are giving messages that encourage and embrace people wherever they are. And they are not calling people to repentance and obedience to God. I'm also well aware that I don't want to be one that would taint the gospel, the word of God, in order to keep a crowd or to make them comfortable in where they are. The word of God tells us that Satan is and comes as an angel of light to deceive the world. So we already understand that Satan is darkness, he's evil, and everything that is wrong in the world. Church, we know that. But Satan doesn't always come as darkness unless you are looking for him to be darkness and he'll meet you there. But when people are looking for light, but they only want light that they want, he will meet them there. And so there are many people today that will even get up and go to church and they will do things for the church that are not serving God, they're serving self and the God of self because they want to hear what they want to hear, to embrace what they want to do without being obedient to the God that they are saying they're serving. And the word of God is calling us to live the truth, church. Not my truth, not your truth, not our truth, his truth. And what he says, and he is calling us out to be the church of Jesus Christ that he died to make, not some replica of something. He said, I died to make you my body, my living church, that the world may see that I am. And therefore, church, it's not something that we need to coddle people in or embrace them where they are, love them where they are, but do not give them a false hope in living the way they want to live and saying God understands. 
Church, God understands that we are jacked up. That's why he came and died to give us an opportunity to live the right way. So as we look in the word of God, he says whether the time is favorable or not. Whether people want to hear it or not. Whether the culture embraces it or not. You've got to give the message that God gives. You have to listen to what God's word says. Not the message people want to hear. The message has to be based in the scriptures or it's empty. So, as we consider that, we want to look again at some verses that we read just a few weeks ago. So it's not a mistake and you're not like, hey, I already heard this. Hopefully you've heard this a lot. <laughs> but we're not going to the exact same place, but we will say some of the very same things because it's God's word. Amen. Stay with it. And listen to what God has to say to us. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. Praise God, church. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. Isn't that awesome? Anybody not understanding what's being said to us right now? You and I have a relationship with God because of Jesus Christ. He's done it all. And if you believe that's your faith, that's what makes that relationship real and your salvation real. All right, let's keep reading then. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Thank you, Jesus. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Man, is that awesome or what? Like people that don't want to hear it and stuff, they'll come up to see, what about the people that have never heard the gospel? And like, well, guess what? Read Romans chapter one. What God says is all they got to do is look around. And it's like, whoo, there's a God. <laughs> there is a God. They might not know his name, but they know there is a God. And God's like, that's my witness that I am. Church, all we got to do is look around. And there's obvious signs of God everywhere. How in the world could you not see him? I was telling you, we went to district conference, right? So we're driving out I-8 to go to San Diego. And as you drive out I-8, you know, anybody that's driven out there, it's like a deserted wasteland. You know, and it's like we're driving along for so many miles and you look out, it's dread, dead, dry, brown. I mean, it's like desolate. I'll just leave it at that. Driving out there, and I'm looking around me, and I said to Kim, isn't it amazing as you look around this, like how there's nothing here? And then there's this sign for sale, like 1,300 acres, call us today. And I'm thinking like, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> but anyway, let's not get lost, right? Okay, so as we consider that, and we're driving through that, and I was looking out there, and then I was like, isn't it crazy that there's life here? Think about it. In that deserted, what we perceive as wasteland, God in his awesome godness has created species that live in that, what we perceive to be death and nothingness. And that's where they thrive. And so what I was saying is, you know how we in our, all of our intellectuals of our nation that are leading in our universities, not all of them, but most, they're like, they're trying to teach evolution. I was like, all I gotta do is drive out there and look around you and know evolution's not true because anything that is there that could evolve into something else would have gotten out of there a long time ago. <laughs> they, would, they would have evolved wings and flown away. Like, I gotta get out of this place. It sucks here. No, man, God made them to thrive in that environment. I mean, it proves he's real. Seriously, look at it. I'm looking, I'm like, it has to be God. It's amazing. 
But let's not get lost. I I can get off on a rant right there, but I won't. Because I want to say what God's saying right here. Look, he's like, look around you. Have any of you been looking at, you know, I love this stuff, but at the James Webb Telescope, the new one in NASA, have you all been seeing that? If you haven't seen it, you need to, and you're going to right now, which I did this a few weeks ago, but not these pictures because they weren't available yet. You're not going to get it every few weeks, I don't think, but right now you're going to. And the reason I want you to see this, and I'm not going to touch my clicker, okay, because they got to take control of this thing right now. So the first picture you're going to see from the James Webb Telescope is, this is what scientists are calling a star nursery. It's a birthing place where new stars are coming forth. That's a picture. That's not an artist's like drawing of things. It's a picture in space. Never have we seen things as clearly as we are with the new telescope we have up there. Not only that, church, but you gotta like just sit there and think about this. No other human beings in the history of the world have seen what you and I are seeing. I mean, that like blows me away right there. You know, when God says in his word, like, just look up, look around, there I am. And now we're looking up, we're looking around, now we're looking up and up and up and up, and it's like, wow, God. Now remember we read the verses in Psalms where God says he's naming all the stars? And I look at this, and here's that little nursery, and there's many of these in the universe that are birthing new stars, and it's like, I mean, I got chills right now. Every time I do this, I'm like, I'm like overwhelmed. I'm like, oh God, you are so far beyond me. Gonna have another picture right here coming up. And so this is, yeah. If you don't get like some kind of movement inside of you, you know, we'll lay hands and pray for you at the end of the service. (laughs) Church, you gotta look, look at this. Like what this focus is, is that star looking burst right there is a galaxy that the, that the, camera, the, I'm sorry, the, the, the telescope is focused on. This picture that you have in front of you took 12 and a half hours to gather the info to send to us, right? Okay, now just take this all in because all those little gold slivers that you see are other galaxies. We live in the Milky Way. We're a dot on planet Earth in the Milky Way galaxy. These are all galaxies that you're seeing right there. Now, if that doesn't blow you away already, now you got to hear this. This is, what, this is what it is. They said what you're looking at right there is equivalent to if you took one grain of sand in your hand, held it out at arm's length and looked at it, that's how much of the universe you're looking at. <laughs> yeah, man, let that sink in. So I'm looking at that and galaxy after galaxy after galaxy in this little grain of sand at arm's length. And then there's all this. And God's like, look up, man. You want to know who I am? Check me out. I look at that, and then I'm church like, the reason why this overwhelms me and I look at it is because in my human flesh, I get these ideas. I know God. God, you should do something like this instead of like what you're doing. You know how we as Christians will sometimes give him advice or tell him how he ought to act and move? And when I look at that and he says in the word of God in the book of Isaiah, before they ever saw these things, God said, my ways are far above your ways, my thoughts above your thoughts. And God's like, hey church, hey, all of you in 2022, check this out. Get a new idea of who I am. Awaken your senses of the God that you verbally say you worship. The God that you say has you in the palm of his hand. He's like, look at me now. Church, look at your God. Right? Look, we, when we look at him sometimes, we... I'm not going to put you in the box. I'll just say that some of us human beings who actually have a relationship with him see things as impossible still. Like when we say things like, we could have a national revival, we're like, we could. (laughs) Yeah, that'll never happen. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Like inside of us, it's like, no. I mean, I see the evidence all around me. Not happening. 
And then God's like, this is me, remember? <laughs> look at me. Check me out. So as I look at all these things and when I see what he said in the scriptures and I look back here to the church that was in Rome at that time, that the Holy Spirit is challenging the Apostle Paul, write this, let them see this, let them hear this. It's God's word. And he sends this message to him and he's like, look, let's just look up, look around, I'm there, you'll see me, you'll see the evidence. You have no excuses because I'm God and it's very clear I am. And then I bring it back to you and I today and look at what we're seeing and I'm like, you think we have no excuse? Oh my goodness, if they didn't have an excuse, what are we doing? Church, <clears throat> clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. We're not done yet. We're gonna continue reading right there. That's where we stopped a few weeks ago, but we keep moving forward in that chapter because God is speaking to us, church. Listen to it. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise, amen? Yes. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men. And as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. It's God's word. Look around us, church, in our culture, in our world, and see how we have turned our back on God. Verse 21 said this, when people who knew God stopped worshiping him as God or even giving him thanks, their mind became dark and confused, susceptible to lies, easy to be misled. They think they're smart, but they become utter fools, teaching their own ideas as truth rather than what God has said. Step back for a second, church. Listen to the educated of our world. I was sitting there listening when someone was asked, what's a woman? And the person wouldn't answer. These are our leaders and in the intellectuals of our land. We look into the word of God and what he says to us. They become so confused in their mind and darkness that they begin to believe the lies that they've been told. Our whole culture is on a path of deception and lies and they don't even realize it. They're walking in the utter darkness and confusion of the fact that we as a nation knew God. We used to worship him. We used to give him thanks. No more. This is not a current political issue, church. Please, oh church, awaken to the reality. This is not a political issue. It's a sin issue. It's a God issue. We have turned our back on God long before now. Back in the early 60s, we told the schools, no longer will you have the Bible, no longer can you pray. We moved God out of our educational systems, we moved him out of our court systems, we moved him out of our government systems. We've told God, step aside. And he did. And he has. Reading Romans chapter one, it's like, hello. 
Do we, church, us, looking at God's word, do we need any other evidence than what we see before us? God's word is truth. And he says, when you, I will. You've abandoned me, I abandon you. There you go. Now watch yourself as you implode within yourself in your destruction and brokenness. I look at this and I'm like, oh God, we have so abandoned you. And so God says that he abandons them to do whatever their shameful things their hearts desire. Hear God's word, church. The sin, the perversion, the corruption of our nation is a direct result of us not worshiping God as God or even giving him thanks. See, his name is attached to us as a nation. They're doing everything they can to remove it, but it's still attached to us. And our history shows that we know who he is. Well, we no longer worship him. We no, no longer acknowledge him. I am 59 years young. Church, you need to hear me. I'm not that old. And when I was a kid, if you didn't have milk and gas on Saturday, you weren't getting it on Sunday because there was no place open and not everybody was Christian, but everybody knew God. They knew that Jesus arose on Sunday morning, the first day of the week, and that was called the Lord's Day. I'm talking about in our nation, not just the church people. Nothing was open on Sunday because it was the Lord's Day. On Good Friday afternoon, everything closed between noon and three. Church, I'm talking about in our country. Everything closed between noon and three because we as a nation acknowledged that Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sins of the world. That happened here. I know that's revelation to some people here, but that was in this nation because we knew that God was God. And even when people weren't serving him, they acknowledged who he was and they gave thanks to him for what he'd done. Are you listening to the word of God? He said they no longer acknowledge him as God, but they don't even give him thanks. We began to serve other gods. And yes, most of the gods that we serve in this nation fit in our wallet. And we began to see things outside of God's word. I am not saying that things should remain closed on Sunday. Don't misunderstand me. What I'm saying is, is that we as a nation have dismissed God in every area of our lives as a nation. <sighs> we once knew him. We once worshiped him. Now political people say, and God bless America. They don't even know what they're saying or who he is. They have no fear of God. They don't even know what, it, what that fully impacts or looks like. But it's, a words, it's words that we use as a nation because of our history. And what it is today, no matter who's saying it in the political realm, so don't go out here talking about some specific person. Listen to me, church. When we make the statement, may God bless America, we are acknowledging with our, our mouth that he is while we do not live for him in one iota of a way and declare his judgment upon ourselves as a result. So God does what he says. He's abandoned our nation, not me and you as his people, but our nation to our own foolishness. So the intellectuals of our land who think they're so smart constantly spew such stupidity and ignorance that they are fools. God's word says so. And if you sit back and listen, you'll hear it from the most educated peoples. Verse 25, they traded the truth about God for a lie. See, most of the people in our nation don't know this is happening. They don't. They've been progressing down a road of lies that they've been given, and they believe the lies because their minds are confused and they've been darkened. Why? Because we've told God to leave, and he has done so. <laughs> 
we in the church have no excuse. We know the truth. We know who God is. We know what He has declared to us. We know that He's called us to live in obedience to Him. We know that He's given a a message to us to carry to this lost world. We've been given the weapons and the tools and the gifts and the abilities, all that is needed for a transformation of a brokenness into a wholeness. And it has to begin with me and my house before it can go anywhere else. And so church, the real issue belongs right where it is today in the church. Because it has to do with me and you doing more than acknowledging God with our lips. And you and I living our lives in the fullness of obedience to the truth of who God is and what he has to say to us. When the people of Israel were following God and Joshua was leading them, they took over that promised land. You remember? They were going in because God had told Abraham, I'm going to give you this land. God drove those people out that were in front of them because they were pagan heathens that did not acknowledge God. God always does that. So now they're taking over this land that God had promised, calling them to be his people. Joshua is at the end of his leadership abilities. He comes to a time where he's going to retire and he calls all the people together. He's like, come on out. I got to talk to you. Now, you know some of this. Oh, you know all of it, but you've heard some of this regularly. So he calls the people together to present themselves before the Lord. Joshua chapter 24. And here he is speaking to the people right here. So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Church, listen, this is the same message. It's always been the same message. God's like, you're either all in or you're not. And Joshua's calling to the people saying, hey, you need to serve God wholeheartedly in this thing. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Amen. All right, so you hear that. Now listen, this is what's happening now. There is a call for a stance for truth. And he's like, you know, you can join me in this if you want to. And he's calling out to the people who know God, who have a history with God. Check it out. We're not done yet. The people replied, we would never abandon the Lord and serve other gods. For the Lord our God is the one who rescued us and our ancestors from slavery in the land of Egypt. He performed mighty miracles before our very eyes. As we traveled through the wilderness among our enemies, he preserved us. It was the Lord who drove out the Amorites and the other nations living here in the land. So we too will serve the Lord, for he alone is our God. All right, church, so you see now, you gotta, let's stay right here in this real-time moment. Everybody present yourself before God. Here we are. Joshua like, hey, we're all in. Are you? They're like, hey, we're all in with you. We see what God has done. We have seen God's ability. We've seen his power. We know who he is. You hear that proclamation, church? All right, let's go on. Then Joshua warned the people, you're not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy and a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you abandon the Lord and serve other gods, he will turn against you and destroy you even though he's been so good to you. Hey, Joshua's like, people, this is not just a word thing here. God's holy and righteous and he's jealous. And you're either in or out. And if you step out, he steps in, but not the way you want him to. We're not done yet. Listen to this speech as it goes on, this challenge, this personal call. This is like the action steps at the end of a lifetime. Listen to the call, church. 
But the people answered Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. You are witnesses to your own decision, Joshua said. You have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, they replied, we are witnesses to what we've said. All right then, said Joshua, destroy the idols among you and turn your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. The people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God. We will obey him alone. Church, I want us to just pause right here and listen to what this dialogue just happened. From the mouth of the people speaking to Joshua, we've seen firsthand what God can do. We know his God. We know he's God. We, we know that we are only here because of God. We could not be here any other way. And he's like, yep, all good, all truth. Listen to that part like, okay, now get rid of your idols. And it's like, when I read this, I'm like blown away. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? You're acknowledging God. You know it's him, but you got idols? Seriously, people think about it. They were still packing their other gods with all the knowledge of who he is, the true God, knowing that everything that had transpired before their very eyes was because of him. And yet their heart was divided. Even knowing God, they had something in their pocket that was also something they were serving. So I look and I'm like, Lord, in light of everything they saw, knew, and experienced, they still had this with them. And I look and I'm like, oh God, I want you to know, church, God wants us to know. He's not okay with just being mentioned as a God among gods. He's not okay with being worshiped along with other gods. He's not okay with lip service and not a life to back it up. God says he's a jealous God. He's a holy God. He's a righteous God. And he's like, there is no other. So church, if you've ever been in love with anyone or had feelings for someone, you understand jealousy, right? God's letting us know. He's like, look, I'm a jealous God and I'm not okay with you having any kind of feelings for anything else out there. The difference is, is that he can do something about it. You and I just feel miserable. God's like, I'm a jealous God. I want you to know I don't put up with no garbage. You're either mine or you're not mine. And if you're mine, you're going to live like you're mine. And if you're not, you're going to live like that. And then you're going to meet me in a different way. He wasn't okay with Israel doing it. Even after he had placed his name on them and declared to the entire world that he was their God and they were his people. You know that, right? He made that statement to Moses. He told the people, I'm going to let the world, the world did know that Israel was God's and God's was Israel. And now as we look at it, he's like, it doesn't matter. If you're not doing it, you're not living it, I'll have none of it. And he wiped them out. I look at our country and church, he's not okay with our nation doing what we're doing. I mean, that's not a revelation to you, I hope. It's, it's very clear and evident in Romans chapter 1 that God has abandoned us to our own corruption. And that is why the confusion and the darkness is all around and getting worse. Our only hope is Him. That's right. He's it. He's not okay with His church being partially in. He's not okay with us just serving him on Sunday by worshiping him. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. <laughs> Look, everybody here in this room, I mean, all of you online, those of you that are here, everybody listening right now, you know who God is. The evidence of God and his power and his ability, his divine nature is everywhere. We are without excuse. And the call of God is for you and I to make sure that we understand that we must confess our sins, repent, and turn from them and serve the living God. Have you done that, church? 
If you haven't, you need to today. He is our only hope. Second thing that God's asking us, these are my action steps, by the way, what God do you still have in your pocket that you are dragging along on this journey while you're telling God you're serving him, but you also have something else with you? God is calling us and saying, you need to lay that down and get rid of that in your life. God will not tolerate that junk in the lives of his people. Church, let the Holy Spirit speak so that he can remove and destroy that that is in the place of where only God deserves to be. The last thing I say to you, church, today is choose today who you will serve. Are you all in? I want you to know, as for Kim and I, we will serve the Lord. I will declare his truth, his word, whether it's popular or not, whether anybody shows up in church or not. I'm gonna preach the word of God, the truth of who Jesus Christ is. I will speak God's word against the culture of the day because it's God's word and it doesn't matter what culture says or what people think, what any political agenda is or anything else. We are all in. And church, I want you to step in with him. God is here, man, and he's calling us. It's not, I'm just telling you, this is not about me. It's not about you. It's about him. And we've got to be all in. And so I'm asking you, just like Joshua did in his day, choose today whom you will serve. You're going to serve him or not? What about it, church? The altar's open. Your hearts are open. Let's let God be God and do his thing. Father, we love you. God, we declare today that you alone are God that our nation has sinned against you, oh God, that we have turned our back on you. We've allowed darkness and corruption to plague this generation. Forgive us, oh Lord. Forgive your church. Forgive us, oh God, the church. would rather have people here and present and comfortable than to have them uncomfortable and convicted. Forgive us, God. Oh, Holy Spirit, convict us. <laughs> convict me. God, we're asking you for a move of God. Lord, we're asking you to redeem the day. <laughs> Give a voice to call out, to let this people know there is a God who loves them and has the opportunity for wholeness, healing, and a national revival. God, you, this is nothing to you. Let us embrace your truth and who you are, God, in every way in our lives, Lord, to get rid of any idol that we may carry with us and serve you alone. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen. Thank you, church, for being in here today. May God bless you. Yeah. Thank you. Remember, next week we're only at the 915 service because we're ripping out the floor and getting a bunch of work done in here. So please join us. I know it's not in your normal time slot, but we can make room. Pack the house. Let's worship him together. God bless you. Have an amazing day with him. Thanks for being here. Amen. Yes, thank you, Jesus. You're amazing, God. Thank you, Lord.